2: This is Living Large with host Kelly Houghton. To touch, move, and inspire is what drives Kelly. She's here to help you learn, grow, and create balance in search of a more powerful life. Adjust, adapt, and overcome. Now please welcome the host of Living Large, Kelly Houghton.
3: Good evening and welcome to Living Large. This is Kelly with the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. Tonight, we are going to start a conversation about calming the heck down. Finding center or peace or patience, that thing, whatever it is, that is not anxious or angry, detached, unhealthy. There are a lot of different ways to gain this skill, primarily some sort of meditation. There are dozens, hundreds of different ways to do this. There are many brands, and we will get a chance to cover a few more of them as the weeks go by. But to stay focused on tonight's show, we're going to not get too much into those other ones, and you'll just have to tune in to upcoming shows for that. And we're actually going to cover... Buddhist meditation tonight, and a little bit about Buddhism in general. So, let me quickly just point out some of the major benefits of meditation it reduces stress, fosters clear thinking, and increases our capacity for empathy and compassion. I'm not as good as those guys who talk super fast on commercials, but I'll get the point across. On a physical level, you can look to lower high blood pressure, reduce anxiety attacks, decrease tension-related pain, such as tension headaches, ulcers, insomnia, muscle and joint problems, increases serotonin production that improves mood and behavior, improves the immune system, increases energy level as you gain an inner source of energy. Anxiety decreases, emotional stability improves, creativity increases, happiness increases, intuition develops. You can gain clarity and peace of mind. Problems become smaller. Meditation sharpens the mind by increased focus and expands through relaxation. A sharp mind without expansion causes tension, anger, and frustration. An expanded consciousness Without sharpness can lead to a lack of action and progress. The balance of a sharp mind and an expanded consciousness brings perfection. Or so the people at The Art of Living believe. Emotional steadiness and harmony, harmony in creation, personal transformation, all can be brought about by some form of meditation. So many people claim... I can't meditate. I've heard it a hundred different ways. There are some practices that are definitely excessively more challenging than others, even for those of us who have done so for a long period of time. That's why it's referred to as a practice. If you'll think about golf, you never quite master it. You are always in the practice of it. Tonight, the meditation of choice is Buddhist meditation. In upcoming shows, we're going to address guided imagery, meditation, kundalini yoga, and a few other choice forms. For this day, we'll have enough time in this discussion. My guest and I are going to start with a little bit of background and how each of us began and a bit of traversing the spiritual journey to Buddhist meditation. Which is not a finish line, by the way. First of all, it's not a religion, but a spiritual practice. Keep in mind, a practice of any kind entails the idea of an ever-flowing evolution of comfort, ideas, growth, health. It is not so much the commitment to this particular and specific practice or one other specific practice, but a commitment to the physical health and spiritual growth on the whole which is why it evolves as time goes on. We're going to clarify some of the most common misnomers about Buddhism, such as the religion versus spirituality practices, the strictness, certain traditions, and certain expectations that can come about with this particular form. Myself, the Buddhists that I met were in, Thailand when I went to a training there and it was super interesting to have lunch where they had already vacated because apparently they don't eat with humans or women or something to that effect. But they sat back and laughed and waved because they didn't speak English and I don't speak much Thai. After that, the meditation took place and I got to experience a seated meditation of the Buddhist variety I got to experience a walking meditation. Mostly what I want to say is after lunch, I really wanted to lay down. I was okay with the walking, but the sitting was super hard because if you hadn't noticed, it's really hot in Thailand. So we were super calm. And it was super hot. And I was pretty full. So there are certain challenges that I ran across whenever I was learning it. But it was still such an empowering experience, even with the challenges that go on that I will always remember it. I'll always remember that afternoon with all of those really great guys and the guides and the teachers that were there. I still got quite a bit out of it. And it was interesting to have the Mind Over Matter experience even with the challenges of the weather and the humidity and all of those things that I brought in with me. A lot about meditation is getting past that, breathing through and having that moment where you no longer recognize that there is a discomfort happening. You no longer realize that your body is in discomfort that your mind is somewhere else, after some amount of practice, you realize that you are completely present and that you have more power over your body and the external environment with which you are in. And that is a lot of what we're going to talk about today is being able to be so in tune with your own thoughts, with your own body that you can start to heal and get better, especially the high blood pressure. If you are meditating on a regular basis, you can lower that. You can lose weight because high stress causes weight gain. So have we got your attention yet? There are vast reasons why to do it. There are a ton of different ways to do it, And it is an evolution. We are going to get a chance to explore all of those things today. I've got a fabulous guest lined up today, Miss Maru, originally out of Mexico City, living now in Texas, who has been a longtime practitioner. And she is going to share with us more of the knowledge and more of the ongoing practice than certainly I ever could. She has been generous enough to come in here today and join me. And I am so looking forward to tapping into her knowledge on all of that and getting some questions answered. So we can take calls and answer any questions that you might have during this show at 866 451 one four five one, And certainly feel free to email me at krhoughton at ymail.com. We're going to duck out for a short break. Be sure to tune back in to answer some of these questions. This is Kelly Living Large, live from the BBM Global Network, and tune in radio on on.
0: French Rastafarian baker Chef Ugmat is a fourth-generation baker and has worked in 11 countries across three continents. Born in Mulhouse, France, he began apprenticing in his father's bakery at age 12 and has devoted his life to learning cultures of the world from inside kitchens across the globe. He also teaches traditional French baking by hosting demonstrations and classes, and his passion for baking is reflected in his delicious confections. With a deep respect for discipline and his Rastafarian way of life, Cheikh Ouvmat exemplifies commitment to tradition and culture in a global world. Traveling extensively and combining a myriad of flavors into his recipes, Chef Ougmat brings a unique approach to baking. To read more about the French Rastafarian baker, visit www.frenchchefoug.com. That's H U G U E S. Bon appétit and bless up.
3: Welcome back. This is Kelly Living Large from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. It is time to get a little bit personable about the journey. I think that uh, Buddhism and Buddhist meditation can be intimidating for some people. And I don't know anyone who necessarily jumps right into that particular one without a little bit of history behind it. Uh, Many times we Choose things a bit backwards instead of recognizing what we want, it's the rejection of those things that we don't want. We look at regular religion and say, Not that. And the journey somehow starts from there. And today we have Maru. And what I would like to know, Maru, how long have you been practicing? I have been practicing
4: about, um, well, since 2000, I think I tried to, I, that was my first approach to Buddhism. And then I uh, began to practice a little later. So, well, but you can say that 1000 was the first time I really have a good approach to Buddhism. Right on. How, uh, exactly
3: how did you come upon this Practice. Can you give me a little bit of history and and how
4: you happened upon this? <laughs> well, this is um, uh, it's a long story. I, I I would like to make it a little shorter. Um, in fact, I was looking and I was in search because uh, I was raised Catholic, and for me, I needed a little more explanation of many things. I um I needed a, a more spiritual than um, than a a, um, matter of uh, you have to believe on this or you have to believe on that and the reason I I really like and when I found Buddhism and I uh, began to listen and and understand what was Buddhism about, I, I fell in love because uh, they always try to find an answer for your questions. It's not a matter of you have to believe this or that. It always, there's an explanation in, in the back. So that's, that's why I, I fell in love with Buddhism. And then I just began to learn more and more. And, and so that's how I, I, um, I um, began this practice. Right. So a lot of the
3: information that you were getting from them, was it from going to a particular place or classes uh, or yeah. books? How did that exactly come about?
4: Well, one day I was with a friend and we were talking because I consider myself um, a person, an atheist, and um, but I was still... In search, as I told you, for um, for a spiritual practice because I, I I needed something. I felt my life was lacking of something. So one day, uh, well, I began to read books from Carlos Castaneda, and for me, were amazing. But there was still something that I needed more. So one day talking with a friend, she told me, oh, I met a Mexican llama. Maybe you should uh, look for him. And I said, well, I would like to, but where can I find him? And she told me, well, I think there's a place around in La Colonia Roma. And La Colonia Roma, it's a neighborhood in Mexico City. And she told me, I think it's around there. Why don't you one day look for it? But, but that was it. So she didn't give me anything else. And so one day I was just driving around and I said, maybe I should look for this place now that I'm here. I just, uh, and then... I was on the street. I saw a place that looked very exotic, and it turns out that it was a, it was a bookstore. Uh, so I, I parked my car, I entered the bookstore, and I asked, "By any chance, do you know where I can find Casa Tibet? Casa Tibet? Uh, it's like the representation for uh, Tibetan, uh, the Tibetan uh, government." In, in the exile in mexico so um, and they teach uh, they teach uh, tibetan buddhism so i asked for this place and they say well in fact, you are in Casa Tibet. And I said, really? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, and I would like to know more about that. Uh, can I have some books or or do you have some classes or do you meditate or how? how?" And they, they told me, well, in fact, we're going to have uh, an introductory um, talk in maybe, I think it was going to be in one month, two months. So they took my number and they called me one day. So I went to this um, talk. And when I heard this uh, this teacher, his name is Tony Karam, uh, from Casa Tibet, and I began to listen to him, and I I said, well, this is the place. This I I found the place where I belong. I I felt that. So um, for me, his approach was uh, an intellectual approach because he's a really he's a, a budologist. He really knows. He, 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 he knows, uh, he has been studying this. So for me, it was my first approach, it was an intellectual approach, but it was great. It was just what I needed. Fantastic.
3: Have there been some changes in your belief system? Did you have to accept a few things that were counterintuitive to you initially? Or did it kind of just settle right in as being in the right place?
4: When, when I began to um, to listen, and and in fact, one of the the, the main things that I uh, that I get from that is that I made peace with Catholicism. I made peace with uh, religion. The I began to understand why why people need um, religion. Why my family was so religious. Everything. I began to make peace with that. So. For like, um, for me, it was amazing because I was really in. In, uh, uh, I have a lot of trouble with a, um, the re- with religion. In fact, I have a lot of trouble. So I began to understand things. So yeah, I think I think it helped me to change a lot of things in my belief system. I um, yeah, it it was it was good for me. Very nice. Did your family accept?
3: This new path that you chose, being that they were coming from the basis of Catholicism, what was their take on it?
4: Um, well, I I was a grown-up woman when 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 I began to be a, a Buddhist practitioner, so they really didn't um, um, take any opinion on that. In fact. Uh, and I think if that they they began to see me, they began to um find me more um uh, more in peace. so I think they didn't say many things about my practice or anything, but I think they um they have a a daughter and that was um In more more a peaceful way. So I think they they like that. Very nice. We are
3: going to duck out for a short break. Be sure to tune back in as we cover more ground, a little bit more about Buddhism in general. This is Kelly Living Large, live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio on On.
0: Global Glory, that's the work of Dr. Marina McLean, COO of Global Glory, whose calling is to serve God. A first-generation British-born Londoner of Jamaican descent, Dr. McLean inherited the hunger for the word from her father, who was a Bible teacher. Growing up, her home was filled with missionaries from the Caribbean islands and America, and she travels the world preaching the gospel. She has a Bachelor of Arts degree in theology and an honorary doctorate of divinity and Christian counseling from Friends International Christian University. Dr. McLean is also a songwriter and recording artist, and her songs are written during summits and conferences in the presence of God. She's recorded three worship albums to date and is in ministry for 28 years alongside her husband, Dr. Rennie McLean, who shares her passion. Visit www.globalglory.org or on Facebook at Global Glory. Call 866-244-5679 and feel the glory.
3: Welcome back. This is Kelly with Living Large, live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. As promised, we're going to talk a little bit about Buddhism, maybe take some of the scare out of it. There are 500 million or 7% of the global population considering themselves Buddhist. So it's not like they're a small minority anywhere. There are apparently more than 18 sub-schools of thought. So there's a lot of different ways to go about it, but the premises are the same. And we're going to talk some about the premises here in this section, because I think that it's important as we distinguish some of the differences between religion and spirituality, this is where... The premises still match up with every other thing that you've heard. It simply does so in a kinder, gentler way. Of course, that's my opinion, but I'm the one with the mic, so here we go. Maru, how about we start with who is
4: Buddha? Okay, Buddha. Buddha. Buddha is um, well. There's a this, the historic figure that it's. Uh, Uh, Siddhartha Gautama, that he was born uh, in uh, 2,500 years ago in India. And he was supposed to be a a prince, and his father gave him everything. He wanted him to be the, the next king and everything, so he had everything. He was a young man, he had a beautiful wife, he had everything. He never saw... A poverty or um, unhealthy people or anything like that. So when one day he came out from his palace and and then he he met um, many things that he never was uh, thought that there there was part of life. Uh, he saw somebody sick, somebody that was dying, poverty, a lot of things. So. Uh, he began to to think about this, and and he decided that um, well, after a long uh, kind of practice, he he began to to. Um, to try to understand that, so he renounced to his uh, title, he renounced to that life of luxury, and he began to practice with different uh, yogis in India until he find out, um, this is a, the short story, no? until he find out that um, no matter how, how hard you try to disconnect from your body or to disconnect from... Uh, Things that you think they will cause you attachment and or rejection or whatever, um, everything. Uh, there, there's a path, and and there are some truths that they are uh, they are called the uh, four noble truths that says there. There's the 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 um, truth of uh, there's suffering. There's the truth that um, you can. Um, uh, find a way to get out of suffering. That there's also that everything uh, changes moment by moment. That um, you will find a way to to that there's there's a path that you can follow. And if you follow that path, you might be able or you will be able to to find peace that the inner peace that will lead you to uh, enlightenment. So Buddha means the enlightened one, the person who already uh, understood what it is about being living, being a human being. And, and so that's the Buddha. The Buddha is enlightened mind. That it is. Oh, very nice. I
3: think that was a fantastic explanation, uh, since a lot of people are not sure if certain symbolic symbols whatever if they're human or if they're deities or if they're prophets or whatever and there's always going to be discussion about that and i think that was a great way to clarify that and he's not the only one that can be enlightened the purpose it seems is for enlightenment can you tell us some more of the principles of
4: buddhism yeah. Uh, well, one one thing I, I would like to to um, to point out is that uh, yeah, er, the Buddhism doesn't have a god. Uh, there's uh, it's a human being as we all are. We all have this uh, a Buddha, uh, Buddha nature. Everybody. Has a Buddha nature. Everybody is able to get enlightened. So Buddha is a it's a man. It's a, it's a human being, and we all are capable of this. So the principle, the basic principles of Buddhism is um, the practice. That's that's the the main thing. I and mean, if if you if you want to get enlightened. Uh, you need to understand that uh, this comes from the realisa- realization of uh, that everything changes from moment to moment. Uh, we are not the same. Anything, anything is the same. So, if you realize that everything changes and you don't attach to anything because you understand that anything uh, cannot is not going to stay the same way forever, you understand that there's no reason to attach to anything because everything is going to change. So that's one of the main, uh, the main, um, the basics of the thought of Buddhism. And then there's another one that there is this path of of practicing. And the path of practicing means that you are able to understand these changes and that the only true... Um, Refugee is the mind, the nature of mind, and what does this means is that nature of mind is a, that we are part of nature, we are part of the universe, we are connected to everything, and that then when you understand that, you understand that you are not alone, that you are um, that you are just part of everything, and and when you understand this, you can be grateful of just being so the practice of meditation means that you are able to feel to feel every single part of your body to understand every single part of your mind that your uh, thoughts and your body is just one all right that sounds like an awful
3: lot of freedom to me it is. to have that type of practice and that everyone can be a buddha on that note we are going to deck out for a short break and be sure to tune back in as we ask some of the more specific questions this is kelly living large live from the bbm global network and tune in radio on on
0: Animal lover, author, artist, and public speaker, Patricia daly is a Renaissance woman in her own right, a lover of animals from a young age. Patricia lives on a farm in Virginia and has rescued neglected thoroughbred horses, keeping them or finding them safe havens. She is also a published author, and her books document real-life experiences that she shares in her passionate stories, taking the reader around the world in a colorful kaleidoscope of life. An accomplished artist, Patricia Daly-Life's oil paintings feature animals, portraits, stills, nature, and abstract, and she allows the brush to paint the image in an organic, natural way. A public speaker, Patricia is motivated to continually wonder about life and advocates for all of us to do the same and document our own unique history. To learn more about Patricia Daily Life, visit www.literarylady.com and www.patricialife.com or email her at pdlife at gmail.com.
5: Hi, my name is Myra Fox, and I am a survivor. I am the founder of the Castle Lewis I Survived Foundation and the author of a series of books entitled, I Survived a Murder Untold, which tells a story of my sister and I who were abandoned and left in the care of a woman who beat us repeatedly. Unfortunately, it resulted in the death of my sister, Castle Lewis, which is revealed in a page to page chilling story. After spending time in the foster care system, I've documented my suffering and my loss and ultimately my survival. I'm blessed to work daily in my community and surrounding areas to give back by helping others and feeding the homeless. I want to spread awareness of the dangers of abuse. You can purchase my books and contribute to the Castle Lewis I Survive Foundation by visiting www.castlelewis.com or you can call us at 540-999-8401. Thank you.
3: Welcome back. This is
5: Living Large, live from the BBM Global
3: Network and TuneIn Radio. Maru and I got talking during the break about some of the differences in religions and the true religion and how distorted certain things can get. And one of my favorite things about Eastern religions really is that you get to come from the heart. The whole point is to be a good person not follow some 42 page small print of rules or the 520 pages of this book or that book, but to be a good human and work from there to find the enlightenment. I was talking a little bit about freedom and we did get a I'm sorry you missed the good laugh we had during the break, but perhaps we will get a little bit more of that while we address some of the finer points of meditation in this particular brand of meditation to have good results with beginners. I've used guided imagery, which is a kinder, gentler, softer way to learn my understanding of Buddhist meditation is more of a quiet practice. Maru, what are some of the silly questions that you've gotten about Buddhist meditation? (laughs) Have you gotten any of those?
4: Oh, well, um, uh, yeah, sometimes I think, but um, I I think there's a lot, a lot of uh, different practices Within uh, Buddhism, there's a lot of schools of Buddhism, and and in these different schools, there's a lot of different approaches to meditation. And so, depends, depends on the school, depends on um, many things. But, for example, there are... Um, there was some question about if the, there is some chanting in in Buddhism. Uh, well, yes, there is. There are mantras. There are different mantras. There are different Buddhas. Uh, for example, you can talk about the uh, Buddha of Medicine, the Compassionate uh, Bu- Buddha. Uh, so there's like Green Tara. There, there are. Um, there's a lot, a lot of different Buddhas, but that um, that doesn't mean. Um, that there are like gods or saints, or it's it's more like a, an aspect of your of the nature of mind. So the nature of mind is uh, there's wisdom, there's compassion, there's uh, um, healing. There, there's a lot of different uh, approaches to to this. So yes, so, so there's chanting in
3: some of them there's mantras in some of them and is there background music playing at any given
4: time yes yeah. yeah yeah yes <laughs> you y- y- yeah they, there's there's a lot of different things, as I, as I told you. There are rituals that in, involve uh, music or playing a horn or uh, playing the, the tamarind or playing a drum or... Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of... But also, and I think that's the main, the main practice is just sitting in silence and, and watch your, your breathing... And what's your thoughts? And sometimes there's a teacher asking you, "What's um, where, where? Where is the mind? What is the mind?" And you have to to meditate on that. Or for example, this is the the sen the sen uh, koans that are uh, phrases that sometimes are like it's like there's no logic in those questions or so there's a lot of different approaches to meditation but i think the the easiest way to meditate is just sit down and try to just put your mind on breathing inhale and exhale and just uh, realize that you are breathing that's that's the main thing because um, you can elaborate a lot you can uh, as I told you, there's a lot of practices. There's one practice that is called tonglen, and it's uh, a practice to help you to feel compassion for people that you don't like, for example. So, nice. what do you do? You you put you sit, and then you begin to to elaborate on the merit tree that is called the merit tree, and you put your imagination. You put in front of you the people or uh, the the pers the people you love the most usually is your mom and your dad. But it was very there's a funny story because one day a teacher came to uh, to our class and, and he was telling us he was a Tibetan teacher and he came to to um, to Mexico and one day he said that one day he was talking to a crowd and, and then he's tried to teach them the tongue And they said, Okay, put your mom and your father in front of you and because those are the people that you love the most and Some people began to say, I hate my mother or I hate my father. So he couldn't understand that because uh, for a Tibetan, that's very strange, no? So so he said, OK, put whatever you feel the love for and just put that person in front of you or your dog, whatever, but put somebody in front of you and then began to put all the people that you have trouble, that you don't love and put them in front of you. And then began to feel how this love that you feel for that person begins to flow from your heart to that person. And that from that person that it's in front of you, also you extend that love to the people you have some kind of trouble with. And and then you will you will find yourself having less trouble with that people because you are already Understanding that the people that you love and the people that you don't love are all the same, so so it's it's a good practice. It has more elaboration than what I just said, but um, yeah, there's different different ways to do it. Very nice. A lot of the similarities
3: between this meditation and many of the others—they all have to do with getting the body calm and focusing in on the breath relaxing with each breath and using the the imagery the vision the creativity of seeing another person or seeing a different place that is comforting and homey or brings you good feelings and one other thing that you mentioned earlier was about gratitude and having the gratitude ongoingly about people and things and having that be the focus essentially so that you grow into that and more and more positive things start to come to us. We're going to go ahead and step out for a short break. Be sure to turn tune back in while we cover some more ground on this topic. This is Kelly Living Large from the BBM Global Network and Tune In Radio on On.
0: Escape from Hell, A Woman's Story is a passionate book that tells the true story of author Rhonda Knutson's journey through the darkness and adversity of abuse. The book takes readers on an emotional trail from the depths of despair to the heights of forgiveness and understanding. She was inspired to help others, and her book is a vital tool through this process. Faithful to God and devotional to her beacon of hope, Rhonda Knutson is a perfect example of finding a guiding light, That helped her come through the dark and into the light. Her book can assist you in overcoming your challenges with abuse. The publication of Escape from Hell, A Woman's Story, is a triumphant achievement, and it can help you take ownership of your own experience of abuse and come through stronger than before. Rhonda is currently working on two more books, Shadows of Corruption and Coast to Coast on a Piece of Toast. To read more about this inspiring author and purchase her books, visit rhondaknotson.com or go to www.amazon.com.
1: America is out of control. Today's capitalism and the approach to money is in fact the symptom of a more widespread pattern of excessive behavior. In his book, The Culture of Excess, How America Lost Self-Control and Why We Need to Redefine Success, clinical psychologist Dr. Jay Slosar portrays an America where excess fuels the drive to succeed. Dr. Slosar examines the cultural factors that lead to excess ranging from obesity to fraud to pervasive budget deficits. His book examines the powerful economic and social factors and their impact on our psychological well-being. Dr. Slosar explores the psychological impact of increasing narcissism, perfectionism, self-destruction, and our identity confusion. He offers recommendations for helping Generation Me become Generation We. Those who resist Slosar's message will want to avoid his discussion of regulation and his recent message that at this point, democracy must be more important than today's capitalism. Get his book now online or by visiting thecultureofexcess.com.
3: Welcome back. This is Kelly Living Large from the BBM Global Network at TuneIn Radio. So it seems what I have found with most new endeavors is an evolution. A person starts with a walking regime and then jogging and before you know it, they have their sights set on much larger distances or biking or some other form of working out and physical fitness. I find that spiritually, we do the same thing. With hobbies, we do the same thing. We go in a little bit, do a little reading, and it grows from there, and it evolves from that place. Where Maru and I were both coming from is having some realization as young children that there is something not right here. For me, it was at about four or five when like her, I was sitting in the Catholic church going, so God's only talking to one dude. Now, remember, this is four and five-year-old thinking, but God's only talking to one dude, and you're giving me a miscellularity. Why don't you give me more information? I've always craved more information. Give me what you have and let me decide how this is all going to go down, let me explore the possibilities of different religions and different peoples. I still have quite the affinity for different cultures. I love to meet new people. And what you study in your practice of meditation is very interesting to me. And always staying teachable and giving things a try that might not have been in my purview. And with Maru a lot of the same has happened there's has been a not so much a migration but an evolution of the spirituality and into some other breath and body work is this form of spirituality
4: your primary focus right now okay yeah, well, I I consider myself a Buddhist practitioner, um, and I think that's my main uh, practice because I really need to to meditate. But uh, yeah, as as you said before, of course I uh, have been uh, doing yoga for several several years. As you started teaching yoga, correct? Yeah, yeah, I teach. Yeah, yeah, I'm I, I'm a yoga instructor too. How long have you been doing that? Um, I think just three years now, and two two years. I think two years. I have okay. been an instructor. Has it yeah? Uh,
3: has it shifted your your meditation practice at all, or increased it,
4: improved it? Yeah, well, uh, yoga practice is a, it's a form of meditation. In fact, it is. For me, it is. It's not a workout. And the funny thing is this: um, when I when I began to do uh, when I began to um, to practice uh, Buddhism, I also after maybe two years after I did that, I began to get into yoga. But the way I got into yoga was more like a workout because I uh, I used to do some. Um, um, ballet so for me it was was yeah and I couldn't do ballet anymore because I have some trouble so the like doctor mm, mm, you no know, well no the doctor told me uh, I I think uh, I, I have a problem with my back so he said I think you have to to drop for Jog, eh, eh, ballet forever and well not forever but well, and and try to practice some other things so so my way to to do yoga for me was a different way of uh, working out uh, but it wasn't um a real real sp- it it was kind of a spiritual um, thing but I didn't wasn't aware of that it was more like okay I do this and that and I, I my body's perfect no uh Until until I began to under, to understand that uh, the body and the mind were just one and even when I was a, um, a Buddhist um, um, a student, I wasn't real a a, a real practitioner. It was more an intellectual approach to Buddhism, and it was great as an intellectual approach. It was really uh, like a way of understanding, and, but it was still not a, pra- a real practice. Uh, it was more like a studies, no? A studies of Buddhism. Uh, until I met a teacher, That his name is Keith Dauman, and he's a teacher of radical suction, Suction is a practice uh, in Buddhism. That um, the first time I heard him talking, we were in a in a three day uh, retreat in a place in uh, Mexico, and and after I heard him talking, I couldn't sleep. I was just my mind was spinning. And, and I just went out of my room and I wa- was walking in the night, just thinking about all the th- things he said. And I remember I was not the only one because we came from a, a middle way uh, um, approach to Buddhism. That means that uh, you will practice for eons and one day, maybe in your 1000 life, you probably get enlightened. And the radical Suction says, Mm-mm, "The uh, is here and now. Enlightenment is here and now. You don't have to wait, and you don't have to to practice forever and thinking that you are a um, so so low um, practitioner that you maybe never get enlightened." And uh, for Suction. The practice is here and now, and the the enlightenment is here and now. So, and there was uh, I mean, if you're more interested, just look for, um, Kitaman books, and I think you you will find them very very interesting. Anyway, so the first time I, I heard him talking, I couldn't sleep, and my as I told you, my mind was spinning, and and it was um, it a friend of mine that was also walking, and then we 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 met each other, we we just stumbled to each other. And, and, and I asked him, who are you for a moment? No, I, I was so distracted that I couldn't, and, and because it was night, it was already very dark. So we hardly see each other. We were walking and, and he, and he answered me, I am your mirror. And, and, and when he said that, I just start laughing because it's true. We all are mirrors of um, each other. What you don't like on a person, it's, what you don't like in yourself, and I know this is uh, um, something that everybody knows, but it's true. It's true. So, so when, um, okay, so I, I get out of the path, but yeah, yeah. So I, I, when 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 I met this teacher, it's when I really start practicing. I, it's when I really start sitting and, and do meditation, and yes, now the yoga also it's uh, meditation for me. Because it's the same. Everything is the same. Very nice.
3: That's <laughs> exciting. I like the one day at a time aspect of that. We are going to go ahead and duck out for a short break. Be sure and tune back in. This is Kelly Living Large from the BBM Global Network and Tune In Radio.
0: A loving advocate for people with disabilities throughout the state of Pennsylvania, president and founder of Big Heart Bridges, her organization actively campaigns for legislation and support of civil liberties that meet the needs of disabled individuals with housing, transportation and employment. Ms. DiPula has joined forces with a variety of esteemed organizations that advocate for the disabled. She serves on the board of the United Cerebral Palsy of Pittsburgh and the Governor's Cabinet and Advisory Committee for People with Disabilities, and she is a consultant for the Pennsylvania Governor's Conference for Women. Her many efforts have led to the implementation of a transportation program for the disabled with the Access Paratransit System of Allegheny County. Evelyn Stapoulos drives daily to serve the interests of the disabled, to protect their freedoms and enable them to live normal public lifestyles. To learn more, please call 412 491 2605 or email Evelyn at ers92645 at verizon.net.
6: Do you battle with weight loss? There is a solution. Founder of Weight No More Consulting, Deborah Simons, can help you lose weight safely and effectively through weight loss surgery. I know. I had the surgery two years ago and I am 135 pounds lighter and medication free. This full service weight loss centre caters to your every need as you navigate to a healthy weight following surgery. Servicing all of Canada, Weight No More Consulting takes pride in its compassionate care and guides you through each step before and after surgery. Starting with informational meetings, Weight No More Consulting educates each potential client before they decide to have surgery on the health risks of obesity and the various weight loss surgeries available. After surgery, Weight No More Consulting provides a solid support system with ongoing meetings to ensure continued success. Deborah Simons and Weight No More Consulting are committed to promoting your health and wellness through maintaining a healthy weight for life.
3: Welcome back. This is Kelly, Living Large, live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. The practice of this type, she really nailed it for me with the one day at a time practice instead of I've got to wait till I'm dead before anything cool happens or I have to sit in silence for 40 years before anything cool happens. I really like the idea of that approach that each day holds its own surprises, It each day can hold its own enlightenment and to live a day at a time and be present to that and be grateful in that and happiness and growth happens incrementally in that way. It is possible to have started from a place of something has got to give, finding yourself stressed out, unfocused, unhappy or unhealthy. And the first step is not usually, Hey, I think I'm going to go do this meditation thing. But it's usually in a statement of not that I just don't want this particular life, stress, health, whatever. And we assess what we have previously experienced to see if any of that's gonna work out. Usually, we can move into some suggestions of well-meaning friends that might have some possible solutions to what's happening. Some of what we know worked, but we abandoned it for other so-called solutions, still leaving us, as Maru mentioned, left wanting. Catholicism, Baptist, atheist, walking, running. Religion has taken some people to spirituality and Christianity, and others are pushed away from it and from the mainstream Western religion to a more personal spirituality that we find a lot in the Eastern practices. Meditation does not have to be attached to any religion or spirituality. The point is to be happier, healthier, more fulfilled, using control over your thinking and breathing to affect your physical health is huge. That's the point. If you tell me that you want my blood pressure to be a specific number, I will give you that. Because I am in control of that and how much tension my body has in it because of this practice. I can give you the number that you're asking for. When life presents stress and emergencies, the training of this practice kicks in and the habit of breathing through The emotion kicks in. The brain does not work well when deprived of oxygen. Meditation trains you to oxygenate your brain and relax the muscles for the highest level of mental and physical functioning. I don't care who you are or why you're considering meditation. Be kind to the people around you and get started. Do you want to get along with your family better? Do you want to tolerate the annoyances of life as if they do not exist or at least close to it? How about take a test without anxiety? How about present or share ideas and continue to breathe and not turn purple or red or whatever color you might turn and leave there exhausted? It is very good training for public speaking for being around people and having that acceptance. The benefits are so vast, we could talk about them all day, each in kind. This has been such an enlightening experience for me that I've learned a great deal. Be sure to check out my Facebook page at Be Well Services, Kelly Houghton, and send your emails to krhoughton at ymail.com with questions that perhaps we can answer on the air live next week. This is Living Large with Kelly, live from the BBM Global Network. And tune in radio, as always, be well.
2: You've been listening to Living Large with your host, Kelly Houghton. Tune in next week. Join the conversation and explore the possibilities on Kelly Houghton's Living Large.